0: Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to episode four hundred and sixty-three of the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Longbox Heroes, Joe and Todd here. Todd, how are we doing today?
0: I'm doing fantastic, and I'm ready to. I'm ready to do my work, even though I have frostbite feet, and I don't have an official uh, headset. I have to get a new one, so I'm all. I'm all ready to go. Is that a reference I
1: should understand? Frostbite feet.
0: Uh, the receiver for the Oakland Raiders that I got from the Pittsburgh Steelers, that he ended up to going to France to get. Uh, some medical stuff and he was going to get cryogenic like stuff on his feet to make him feel better and he didn't have the right shoes on so he frost bit the bottom of his shoes or his feet and then when he came back he's like I don't know how long this is going to take so I might miss all the practices in preseason and then I'll be ready to play and then they told him that his helmet was done like there was that last year was the last year you can use it now you have to use the new safer helmets and he's like i'm not gonna play i will quit football unless i can wear my la- last year's helmet and he even painted his Steelers helmet in raiders like colors and everything and they told him no you, you know you're gonna have to give that up and give back the 30 million dollars you got and he's like oh i lost my case you know what i'm ready to play <laughs> so like he's all good so Sounds why. like a,
1: wel- a welcome addition to the team.
0: That's right. He's he's a raider. He puts uh, motor oil on his cornflakes. We're all good.
1: And I also like how you said that you got in the trade.
0: Yes, me. It's my team.
1: Mm-hmm. And in a couple of years, the way it's going, it probably will be.
0: Uh, when we go to Vegas and we take the trip, Joe, don't you worry.
1: uh huh. So that's already too much football talk for my liking.
0: There's a little more, but go ahead.
1: Ugh. Anyway, I got it all in my system. At least uh, we, you have can <laughs> we have curse. We have comic book stuff to talk about this week, Todd.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We
1: have uh, what could possibly be the hottest, rarest collectible of all time. <laughs> mm-hmm. In addition to that, not not one but two stories in the Rob Watch this week. Oh. News has been slow, but the Rob has been busy. <laughs> <laughs> the Liefeld of podcasts, right here. Oh. <laughs> So we also have convention news of uh, some shows happening this weekend and also a live report from Todd, who went to Terrificon this past weekend. Mm-hmm. I hope my donuts are safe. Uh, digital books and sales, of course. We have what we read this past week, which was Absolute Carnage number one uh, and Berserker Unbound number one and a new segment on the show. We'll see how this goes. Uh, A little bit later on the uh, episode, also what we're looking forward to coming out this weekend. All sorts of reminders, Todd's Art Attack, and uh, the most recent episode of Krypton. Yes. All right, so, this week, in your comic book stores were supposed to be copies of Superman 14 and Supergirl 13, respectively. Uh, Both books... Oh, sorry? Is it 31? 31? Uh according to the story it says 33 for Supergirl. Oh, you said you said 13 for Supergirl. That's why. I My was just... apologies. Okay, that's why I was just... 14 for Superman, 33 for Supergirl. Okay. And they were both supposed to be year of the villain crossover sort of things, right? Where they had the year of the villain trade dress on them. Mm -hmm. but they have since been requested by the publisher to be destroyed or returned or something. Pulp them Pulp them in place of ones that have slightly less pronounced Year of the Villain trade dress on them, but also a little teaser for the upcoming Legion storyline.
0: Gotta push the Legion.
1: Uh, So... How does a mistake like this happen in 2019, Todd? It's been a long time since we've had a good pulpit of comics. <laughs> That's right, a down home pulpit. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't
0: know how I don't know how it slides past all that stuff. I guess just because di- maybe with digital files, you know, it's like back in the day you had to have uh, you know hard copies and send them and blah blah blah. But it's like oh, you just here's the three covers that we have to use up click move drop it in the drop box whatever i don't know nobody checks on it maybe with all this like you know technological stuff it's easier to make a mistake it must be because it seems to happen a little more than you know you would get you know bad covers back in the day or misprints back
1: in the day or material i think one of the more recent ones i remember is wasn't there an issue of league of extraordinary gentlemen when it was still being published by wildstorm that had some sort of disparaging remark about an editor in there, something?
0: I thought that had to do with the uh, fake ads in the back of the newspaper, which was derogatory to uh, to people who had just come and couldn't speak English. And it was literally, because we still say it, that it got pulled for, it was like learn how to, how to speak English. And it was a pamphlet or a book called Shamed by You English. And it was this whole like broken, but I thought that's what it had something to do with when they they pulped the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen ones. But we'll probably uh, duck, duck, go it, and I'll be completely wrong.
1: Right. I'm trying to find it now, but because of this storyline, that that's the one that's popping up more right. so than not, you know. Hmm. Um. But of course, uh, new covers are being sent um, with the Legion trade dress on them. And of course, the original ones that were received are all gonna get flipped on eBay and sold and so forth.
0: Wait, don't the the retailer's code is
1: you have to pulp those. The retailer's <laughs> code, Todd. There's a lot of codes out there. Mm. So I don't see no retailer code on the cover of those books. I don't see no comics code on there neither.
0: Mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe. I, I you will see a bunch of. But how much are they going to go for? Cuz it's not like there's something like super different about them. If you ordered if you ordered uh, as many of the 13 or the 14 and the 33 or whatever it is, you're going to get the same amount of issue. So it's not like it's a rarer issue. There's just as many as them out there if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Like if you ordered 30 copies of Superman, they're going to replace 30 copies of Superman. So it's not like the oh we did it we did a run of only eight misprinted supermen and the the real run is eighty thousand. and it's like oh i need a i'm a completist i need all these no it's the same amount as misprinted as there are printed don't well, really
1: see he, okay so you, you mentioned 30 is your number let's say i'm a retailer i get my 30 copies and I'm a good retailer, and I follow the retailer's code, and (laughs) I'm going to pulp those copies of Superman that you sent me. Uh, You know, but my order was shorted. I I only got 27. Mm -hmm. I'll pulp those 27. The other three were missing, or they were damaged, or so they never came, or maybe they're in another box, but I'll definitely pulp these 27. Mm -hmm. And then... Through a third party, maybe I'll put these other three up on, you know, or two of them up on a site, and maybe I'll go and I'll CGC. Because, and again, 30 being the number. If you're retailing at 30, you can't do it with all 30. You got to do it with, like, three. Like, 1% is a good round number of what you can get away with of non-pulping and trying to flip. Right. Now, I will say this as a follow-up from last week. I am checking over on the CGC uh, most submitted website. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that any of these uh issues of Superman or Supergirl are up in the top five hundred yet.
0: Oh, okay. Maybe soon. Uh
1: but I I as I'm up as I'm looking at this, and this is uh something that we kind of got in our uh, hands after the fact. Mm-hmm. Fascinating to look at this list. Yes, it is. Uh we are not at you know, we discussed last week that with the special twenty thousandth uh uh, edition of Amazing Spider-Man 300 that goes in. I haven't submitted mine yet. I don't know if I'm going to. Because then if I have a CGC comic in my house, I think I'll feel dirty. Right. Uh We're only about 2,000 away uh, for having New Mutants 98 be in that next one. hmm And I wonder... CGC smart. I'm. I would reach out to someone and maybe have them do a special twentieth commemorative, twenty thousandth commemorative sketch.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: That's a that's a free idea for the cosmos out there.
0: But he would he would he charge them for the the official signature, a little extra?
1: Well, a little no, something? no, no. You do okay. So there's the signature. We're talking about the Rob, of course. Right. There's the Who signature. Else? There's the special signature, and I'm sure Rob could figure out a new. 20th commemorative signature that's different than those other two signatures that oh. you could only get on the twentieth, twenty thousandth commemorative CGC of New Mutants ninety eight, non facsimile edition.
0: Oh now, would it be the same signature come thirty thousand issues, or would you have
1: to change it? We're gonna have to cross that bridge when we get to it, Todd. Oh, that
0: new mutant bridge. I yes. can't wait to
1: and then, you know, after that, uh, it's a, it's a kind of a bigger gap between number two and number three. It's maybe like about 3,000 more as opposed to 2,000 more. And then it kind of trails off from there. Uh, I'm not surprised to see as many Spider-Man or Spider-Man adjacent books in there. Because, of course, Spider-Man is the best character in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just fascinating numbers to look at, you know?
0: You know what the absolute fascinating thing to me is? ah. It really, honestly, and I know you're groaning because you're wondering what it's going to be. It's that we don't hit a DC book until number 18. Yeah. That is that is absolutely fascinating to me. And then it's the killing joke. And then you go again. Another 10. Then, what? Another 10 before you yeah. hit another DC book. Yeah, which is the first Harley Quinn in comics, Batman Adventures 12. Uh-huh. That's... that's that blows my mind and the the steep drop off though is like you're talking in the like 5000s 4000s area. So it's interesting to see somebody like when when we got our hands on these numbers I like I like pored over this going this is
1: this is pretty cool. So I, I... uh the discussion about this is you know and, and you're going to see more books published like let's say within the last 30 years on this list, right? Mhm. where it seems as though this would kind of pan out that there's been less key or pivotal moments in batman's history than there has been in spider-man's history or wolverine's history or whatever it is to necessitate this turnaround because like i'm shocked that the next dc book on there is batman number one from the new 52 right though i that's in the top like that's number 33 that's crazy but here's
0: the thing though okay so now joe when you talk about like hey my spider-man's Blah blah blah. Uh, the 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 quintessential moments. The quintessential moments in Batman are the Golden Age, right? So like, those are
1: tougher to come by. Right? Let alone so you're not, to you're be not graded. Sp- let alone to be graded at a high number. And it, or there's not
0: ability to have thirty thousand copies of you know Batman number one, the first appearance of Joker and both Catwoman laying around. So it's like. It's like he didn't create a lot of these great villains. That that's what a lot of this stuff is: the first appearances of characters like Hulk One Eighty One, the first, or the first uh, Deadpool, or the first all this, the first Harley Quinn. So all his characters, his truly great villains, were established seventy years ago, and there's only maybe a thousand copies of each issue. And if they're they're not going to make the list, I, do you know what I'm trying to say? I do. Where there's where there was hundreds of thousands. Of or at least maybe 180,000, 200,000, I don't know, I don't have the numbers, of Hulk 181 that you can get CGC'd. So that kind of skews the numbers, too. Right.
1: So another another good number to look at with this is, uh, and I mention it this way for a reason, the number two most CGC'd book mm-hmm. on the list, when you factor in all of the variants and so forths, Mm-hmm. With uh, 57 uh, perfect CGC grades. Right. Is Spider-Man number one. The McFarlane, uh, you know, number one. Right. When you factor in all the variants. That's the number two book with the most uh, perfect grades. Ten, you mean? Like a ten. Like it gets a CGC of a ten, right? Right. The number one book... I don't know if you got it, like, don't look at the list, but.
0: I did already, sorry.
1: With, when you combine all variants, with 650 10s, is Batman damn number one.
0: Do you know why, though, probably?
1: <laughs> I know why.
0: No, but 10s, I, I would guess is because it's a, uh, what do you call it, prestige style, and it's harder to damage. Hmm. That, uh, that's the way I look at it but it's it's just
1: funny that number two is like 50 mm -hmm. and number one is 650
2: i
0: wonder if that makes batman damned number one less worth money at 10 oh absolutely it's it's the most 10 there is of tens yeah so it's like
1: that dilutes the tens
0: uh-huh i don't know it's weird
1: So, moving along to something that I'm sure that you can go and get CGC'd if you're going to New York Comic Con this weekend or whenever, next month, October, next month, two months from now? October. 50 days as of we're recording this. 50 days. Uh, So, you can get number one of Brigade Extreme Forces from Rob Liefeld's Kickstarter that he did for this book. A Kickstarter that he started six years ago. Oh,
0: it was a slow start, but he kicked it hard, so it landed so many years away.
1: And, again, it, this is the beginning of the Rob watch, of course, and I, I, I love the – we kid the Rob because we love the Rob. hmm But how how difficult must it be to kick someone with feet that look like that?
2: Oh, well,
0: <laughs> what if he had to draw the kick starter? Ooh a foot that he would never get. Dry. That's why it was, he was, he thought he had to draw a foot kicking something. And he's like, I ain't doing this.
1: Six years later, someone explained it to him. And it was like, oh, I put out the book. Got it. We're golden. We're good. Right. So I guess people are lamenting because they, if you go to Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con to get this, uh, you're essentially getting it before the people who actually backed the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And Rob came out and said that if you're a Kickstarter person, you can pick up your book there you know smartly to shave on save on shipping of course but those there are folks who did invest in the rob all those 6 years ago and wanted their first uh they wanted their copy of brigade extreme forces number 1 before the rest of you peons going to a comic book convention mm-hmm. so you know sometimes the rob's big business practices get called into a uh, question
0: i'm going to try and grab one while i'm there cuz i know you want it
1: I only want one with the, the full signature.
0: Ah, I was thinking of getting two.
1: Oh, one for me and one for you? <laughs> yeah, kind of. So just as a continuing follow-up on the rights issues with the Youngblood book, of course, Rob still owns the rights to a brigade, but Youngblood is currently tied up uh, by that person who Rob got into business with. Uh what the guy? What's the guy's name? It's Rev something or other. Yeah, I, I don't have it right at my fingertips. Andrew Rev, uh, through his company, Terrific Productions LLC. Uh, so he has gone through the uh, bookmarks of making sure that, or go, gone through the motions of making sure that Young Blood and all related books are removed from the Image Comics site and from Comixology and any other digital platforms. Mm-hmm. Obviously, physical media is already out there and exists. Right. Uh but the guy who runs this 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 Andrew Rev guy I like uh, him already. Go ahead. It seems as though his intentions in regards to Youngblood are not pure. <laughs> it seems as though he is just kind of using his ownership of Youngblood to mess with Rob. Some would say to troll Rob. <laughs> uh reaching out to other creators. Um, you know, everyone from David Latham to Stephen Rude, James Tinian, Evan Dorkin, and so forth, uh asking them if they would like to come on and work for him and do Youngblood comics. Mm-hmm. Um specifically uh, a tweet that says, <laughs> I do not know Alan more personally. I assume he is not impressed with the comic companies he has worked with to date. I would like to officially request with official and request anyone who knows Mr. Allen Moore to name his conditions no matter how outrageous they are <laughs> to see if terrific can afford to meet them.
0: I, I in that tweet I probably would have changed commit con, uh conditions to demands. <laughs> and Alan is retired. He doesn't need the money. He's not coming out for young blood. Um, Though I would love it if he did. I would love if Alan was like, here are my like 40 unreasonable demands. And and Red was like, here, go, go to it. All you buddy.
1: (laughs) Watch Rob and Rob had Alan Moore working for him years ago. Yeah. That was when Alan Moore won or Alan Moore wanted to do Superman stories. And he was at odds with DC for whatever reason. Right. And they just turned, was it Supreme? Maybe. Yes, he he had a whole backstory. He was ready to give him a, a like a mythology
0: for Sabrina. yeah, He did a few issues, and Joe, he and uh, Rob, the Rob wasn't returning Alan Moore's calls. <laughs> like he was just like he has he has the guy who's like, and here's my Alan Moore impression. I'm sick of both Marvel and DC and it's like Rob, Rob. I'll do your comics. Okay, do three or four of them, and he's like trying to call him. He's like, and, and you can't get him. And you're just not answering the phone. like, how how bad of a business person is that? And then he ended up losing Youngblood. I'm so shocked.
1: Ooh. Again, this is one of my favorite uh, stories in recent memories in the world of uh, both comics and entertainment. mm mm-hmm. uh, Got to hand it to this guy's chutzpah for uh, what he's attempting to do with this. Mm-hmm. If he gets
0: people, if he does, if he, if he gets Youngblood published, I'm buying all the issues, no matter who writes it. Mm -hmm. I'm a Youngblood man now.
1: So I just want, okay, so, uh, he, he, his most recent tweets, this, uh, Andrew Rev guy, and I'm, I'm, I'm giving him a follow right now on the old Twitter machine as, as we do the show. I need to be uh, kept abreast of the uh, insanity that's going on with this. Uh, So he tweeted out earlier today, uh, my terrific faithful, in quotes, and totally terrific comic readers, TM and copyright 2019, two terrific productions, LLC, all rights reserved. You guys did very good to get a head start on Wednesday's goal of 250 followers. All of you should be proud of how far we've come. I love you guys. Uh, And he then follows it up with a tweet that says, Guys equals male, female, transgender, just so no one's feelings are offended. Terrifically. Then he tweets again, Dear Alan Moore, Terrific Productions LLC for legal reasons must make clear that the headline was not an offer to accept any outrageous requests. So we retract that interpretation. But we will, for example, remove the red M&Ms in a bowl of M&Ms that the superstar demands. We will certainly give you a base salary and royalty that is at the zenith of writers without damaging Terrific financially. We will have a person with you to cater to your every legal comfort. We will consider publishing a commercial project uh, with a non-commercial one, Terrific Faithful. At least we know uh, that Bleeding Cool reads our tweets, and that's great if you're an artist, uh, writer, et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah, so uh, this guy seems like a maniac, and I'm all for it.
0: So now which Twitter account is this? Is this LLC Terrific, or is this the guy's personal
1: one? This is LLC Terrific.
0: Boom. Hit. I just hit follow then, so. All
1: right. Make sure you follow it with the show account, too, since I think you have quicker access to that than I do.
0: Uh, I will do it right now, good man. Oh,
1: you know what? Actually, no. I'm going to beat you to it because this is scintillating podcasting, by the way.
0: I'm I'm there now, if that matters. Okay. Do you want me to follow it, or should I wait?
1: Okay, so I'm following as we speak. Okay. I'm going to tweet at him.
0: From the long box?
1: Yes. Dear. Terrific. (laughs) LLC. We would like to be the
2: first podcast. We are already. The
1: Lamborghini. <laughs> of podcasts wow of your
2: publishing
1: arm. Our demands will be slightly less than those of Sir Alan Moore. <laughs> Regards, Lbh. I was going to sign it HH, but that's a different guy. Oh, brother, brother, brother! So we'll see how that goes with us. We've mm-hmm. tweeted people before on the show, and it got an airy response. I have a feeling that this guy's a maniac, and we'll get a response.
0: Uh, I do too.
1: And now, are we on the wrong
0: side of history in the war between LLC, Terrific, and The Rob? I say
1: we could be the mediator between them, Todd. This is step one. We have tweeted to Rob before and not gotten a response. I have a feeling we can get a response from this guy. And then, in turn, be kind of like the, the peacemaker between this guy and Rob.
0: That's right. With the Labrigany of this podcast, we can jump that
1: divide. Correct. Not unlike Evil Knievel jumping Snake River Canyon,
2: <laughs>
1: we will jump the hole in his heart that the Rob has for no longer having rights to Youngblood. And I'm going to retweet this from my account as well. So, before we get into the conventions that uh, are going on this weekend, Todd, let's talk about the convention that you went to this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Terrific con. No no affiliation with LLC, terrific. Uh,
0: yeah, it was in uh, Connecticut at the Mohegan Sun uh, Casino. Me and my good friend Josh, we ended up uh, heading out at a nice early clip at uh, 4 a.m. in the morning, uh, which was fun uh 4 hours to get there but that's not our that's not Terrifics Con's fault where they put the con um so yeah it was it was a it was a long ride i was tired when i got there especially since i had seen you know a concert a few nights before and i was running around the next night getting everything ready but once we got there um we found a place to park which was uh at a we found the right place to park, which was the parking lot right near the new convention center, because Josh had told me that the convention center they had built a new place for it before it was in a ballroom, which was much smaller. This was beautiful, nice, clean, huge, like uh great to have a a a convention in. Uh it was a short walk from the parking garage. We found the right one. In we go. I got our I got my pass, go in. Um Tons of creators, tons of, uh, you know, vendors and stuff like that. I spent most of my time trying to get sketches, so I didn't do a whole lot of shopping. But between that and the experience of, like, oh, I want to eat or, do like, get a drink or something to just leave the the, the, uh, the, the convention center, which is connected to the casino. And there's so much right there. Like, all right, lunch, I'm hungry. Go right out, walk you know, 20 feet from the door to the entrance of the convention hall. And there's a Chick-fil-A go down the steps. There's pizza. There's this, there's that. So it was it, overall, it had a great feel of getting somewhere. Cause like in Baltimore, uh, there, oh, there's only the food on the floor. If you want to leave, you know, it's, it's, you go outside, there's a walk to go wherever you want. New York's a hassle to get out of. This was one of the best parts of terrific con was the ability to just, go get food go to the bathroom it wasn't anything you weren't overwhelmed because the casino had is is made for large groups of people um so it, it worked really well and seeing a lot of great people at the con i had i had a total blast i can't recommend this con enough and i ended up after we were done me and josh were getting pizza and we ended up we're lucky enough to sit next to the uh the guy who runs the Terrific Con sister, and we ended up having a great conversation with her. Um it's a con that I'll probably go to again uh because it was so great.
1: So you mentioned about creators. hmm Salty Keith. What
0: happened? I don't know because I didn't want to ask why he wasn't there, but he like I know what Keith looks like. I was there all day. It's not so big uh that he's you know, wouldn't be seen, but he wasn't at the table. And I know that was the table that he would be at because it had pre-done art pieces by Keith. And every time I've been at a show and seen Keith, he's always at the artist choice table and he wasn't there. And I just, like I said, it, I, I, if I ask, it's just, you know, what answer am I going to get? Am I going to get the truth or some story? so i just didn't even try but, but was... you know at
1: least at least it would have been an answer but i get ya i i probably wouldn't have asked myself i would have just said maybe i'll see him next time like mr yeah. t
0: right <laughs> but maybe he was there friday or sunday i don't know um but, like I said, it was just, I didn't get my Mark photo or get to ask him any questions. So, I know I let you down, Joe. I know you're you're sad. No, no.
1: Part. You didn't let me down. If mm-hmm. there was a thing of, like, oh, he was there, but I didn't want to bother him, that would have let me right. down. No, I, But if his, just... physical, if his physical form was not there, mm-hmm. it's not like I'm like, well, Todd, you could have went to the hotel, broke into his room, mm-hmm. drug him out by his beard. Mm-hmm. Made him smile. That would have been the hardest part of all that. Listen, Todd, I'm talking about bringing and entering and kidnapping. I'm not talking about making Keith Giffen smile. I'm not crazy, okay? That's right. You ask the impossible always, Joe. Uh, And since, uh, you know, we've been, uh, you know, it's a Northeast con, more or less. We talked about it here on the show for a couple times. Were you recognized by any listeners of the show? I was not recognized, but I recognized
0: one person okay uh uh, and i tweeted out that i saw him i don't know his his real name (laughs) and he thinks i'm an absolute loon so you might want to get in contact with him but uh,
1: why what happened that he would think that you're an absolute loon because he walked by
0: and i was like i think that's so-and-so so So i was with josh and i was like josh you do your thing because he was talking to somebody and i was like off i go so i tapped him on the on the shoulder he turned around I was like So and he's like yeah and I'm like I don't know your real name So and he's like okay And I'm like but I'm trying to be cool And he's like it's okay this is my wife And I was like hi nice to meet you And he's like I'm, he- I'm just here for Straczynski Do you know where he is And I'm like oh just go down the end of this And he's either at this end cap But because I wasn't sure what aisle I, We were in I was like if it's not This end cap it's, it's one over To the left or one over to the right You know what I mean like and I'm like you know what to heck with it i'll just show you come on with me so i grabbed them and i I pulled them. i'm like there's straczynski you're good to go i i did like i wanted to talk to him but i also wanted to let him do his i always feel like nobody wants to talk to me in these situations (laughs) that it's like maybe you know like you're here to see straczynski you're not here to see me but it's cool to see you but I want to acknowledge that I saw you and that I'm a nice guy, but now you should stop talking to me because I'm really boring and go do your thing. So in it, I look like a crazy lunatic. So I'm like, okay. He goes, all right, I'm going to see Straczynski. I don't know if he was even there, but I definitely saw the banner where where he was there. He's like, so if you can get in line over there. uh, And he's like, okay. So I said, all right, I'll see you later. And then while I was walking around later, I saw him again. And I was like, do I talk to him? Or, like, do, you know what, I'll just give him a thumbs up and this, like, lunatic smile that I had. And I was like, I'll just keep walking. So I, I can only imagine what he thought, but more what his wife thought. That's that's so, yeah, I, I'm interested if you ever have any correspondence with this person to let me know, like, how crazy he actually thought I was.
1: Okay, so we're talking about uh, Chikara pro wrestler Icarus. Right. Uh, who's an avid listener of the show. Uh friend of mine, and uh so he had texted me on Thursday and said, if I see Todd this Saturday, I am one hundred percent going to call him Joe, tell him how much I love the podcast, but why does that other dude tell so many bad jokes? Oh my goodness. And I go, I go, I won't st- I go, I will not stooge this off that you will be there.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then on Saturday he says Todd recognized me. He saw me before I saw him. Mm-hmm. And then he just, and I replied, you're too famous. And that was the end of it. Right. Cause then he even said, he even did the joke of
0: Joe. And I just looked at him and he was like, Oh, I told Joe, I was going to say, it. And oh, see, I was just, go. I was just so over the top with what should I do or say, right. because I can't handle this kind of fame. Too. I was not created to handle this kind of fame. Right. So like I said, I was just trying to be nice to him, but also like, Eh, You do your thing. So, but he tried to do the whole bit
1: that he was going to do, and I just squashed it. So, gotcha. But I'm glad to hear two uncomfortable people had an uncomfortable (laughs) meeting in public. That's the way it should be. I'm very happy about that. Good. I'm glad he didn't go,
0: What a lunatic your
1: friend is. So, he he did uh, ask me uh, who Salty Keith is that we talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. And I replied, Keith Giffen, writer of Vexed, and the (laughs) adaptation of the Bible for Pentel's comics. Wow. And he goes, huh. I go, oh yeah, and he did this little Booster Gold Justice League run back in the 80s, but nobody really talks about that.
0: That's fantastic.
1: (laughs) Ah, see, these are the jokes. Yep. (laughs) Anyway, I'm glad you had a good time. Did you go to the Krispy Kreme and did they have my chocolate peanut butter donuts? I went to... I
0: went, okay, they had three Krispy Kremes. I only Now, went, you
1: and I, this Josh, I should break into his house and steal more of his art for this. Mm-hmm. He said there was two Krispy Kremes. Now you're telling me there are three? There are three. And he <laughs> even
0: took a, a photo of the casino map to prove that there was three. So maybe I'll have to get that off him. But we went to two of them and 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 one was an actual factory like they make the donuts
1: they have the hot donuts
0: now sign right they weren't making the hot donuts at the time but they have the whole conveyor belt and the oil and blah 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 and that's the main one and then the two were like dunkin do or dunkin donuts crispy cream expresses and i went to the main factory one first we ended up finding that one and there was a huge line there was actually a huge line so i ended up Sneaking in, like, excuse me, I just want to grab a napkin. And I went over and I got a napkin. I'm like, hey, do you have those Reese's peanut butter cup donuts? Like, do you have any, like the limited edition? They're like, no, we do not have those at all. And that's where they make the donuts. So then I went to the Express, which had a much shorter line because we ended up getting like donuts there. Um, and they didn't have it either. So I was like, I if the factory one doesn't have it, then I'm not gonna go look for the
1: yeah, third, if the big first, dog one doesn't have it, I get you. Right.
0: So no, they didn't have any of the they didn't have the 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 and you, or you know I would have brought you home a box, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, no, but I am sorry I could not find them, but I did end up having a raspberry uh filled jelly for myself. Gotcha. Which is my go-to Krispy
1: Kreme. What are these de- what are these days, One of these years I'll go to that convention. Uh this is what the second time you've gone?
0: No, this is the first time of the uh the the casino con, uh the terrific con, which Josh went a while back, uh two oh, years okay. ago or something like that. And he wanted me to go, but I was not able to make it. But this one, this one is a solid, straight up uh con. And I ended up like, you know, I had I, I talked to a few people and it was fun. I talked to like Jerry Ordway, Mike McCone, if you ever get to meet him, he's a blast. Uh Dan breran was fun. It was it was a good time. I ended up uh, you know. And I hustled and I got some sketches that will be over the course of the next couple of art attacks and stuff like that. Uh, very comic related uh, convention, which I like, even though it did, it, it did have some entertainment folk like Arliss, Robert Wall and you know Billy D. Val Kilmer was very eccentric. He wouldn't come out from behind the curtain. You had to go like he was hidden away. He wasn't coming out. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Uh, you, like, if you got the photo op, you went in and you saw him. There was, no, there was no Val Kilmer sightings on the floor, if you will. Gotcha. But, you know, it was, it was fun. It was, it was a real good time.
1: So there are a bunch of other conventions that are happening this weekend that maybe you can have some fun at, Todd. Mm-hmm. Not you, Todd, but you, the listeners of the show. Comma, Todd. <laughs> uh, the Silicon Valley Comic Con in San Jose, California. Uh, this is kind of a big one for media guests. It's a big media guest weekend, and I only bring this one up because how often is, does Arnold Schwarzenegger do a comic book convention? I
0: have no idea.
1: Right. They're doing a big Terminator 2 thing, and I think everyone but James Cameron and Lyndall Hamilton are there. Mm -hmm. But anyone else who was involved in Terminator 2 is going to be at this, uh, including Arnie. Ooh. Uh, you know Robert Patrick is going to be there. Uh, Edward Furlong is going to be there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And Jason Mimosa and Stone Cold Steve Austin are going to be there as well. That's a pretty stacked convention for uh, you know celebrity type folks.
0: Maybe they're pushing the new Terminator movie, Linda Hamilton and Schwarzenegger, because that's hmm. coming out soon. It yeah, might be on the, the press
1: tour. Right. That doesn't seem like a thing that should happen.
0: He's got the Cameron thumbs up. He's involved, so I'll see it.
1: Mm. Well, i don't know but anyway and <laughs> uh do you want todd to guess how much the photo op etc etc with arnold is
0: mm, i played this game at terrific con with this the other you as i invited him and he wouldn't go and i love this game so mm-hmm. um the photo op with arnie
1: Right, so I'm going gi- to give you the rundown. Mm-hmm. Uh, autograph, uh, again, no personal quotes, messi- messages, character names, etc. and then you can get one item autograph. That's a price. Right. Uh, photo op, uh, which is you and another person, mm-hmm. or a selfie, which is you and another person as a selfie, like they do with a professional photo or the selfie.
0: Yep, they were doing that at Terrificon. They had okay. different
1: prices. So, autographing an item, professional photo, selfie are all the same price. What's the price?
0: Oh, so separately they're all the same price.
1: Yes, like there's okay. no like combo packs. Okay, eighty dollars. I'm not going to play the game. Four hundred and fifty dollars.
0: Holy cow!
1: Mm-hmm. And I thought Phil from Chicago charging one hundred and fifty was a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, so uh, Michigan Comic Con in Detroit—a little bit more of a comic uh angled one. We have Neil Adams, Gene Ha, Ron Lim there. I've been having a Ron Lim kick lately. He's been doing like they've been doing a lot of like '90s nostalgia over at the Marvel, mm-hmm. and Ron Lim has been doing some uh variant covers and whatnots, and I've always been picking those up. I got he a soft at- spot in my heart for Ron Lim.
0: Ron was at Terrific Con. Uh and he has when he when you out when you commission him to do something like a sketch or something he has a thanos upcharge oh it's like 50 dollars more or whatever for thanos Uh it's always like that's what everybody wants so if you want it you're gonna pay yeah that makes sense i'm fine with it i am 100 fine with it uh
1: also uh this weekend the geeked con in shreveport louisiana uh, Michael Rooker is going to be there. Lori Ooh. Petty is going to be there. Tank Girl. Mm-hmm. And Star of Magic Mike and Magic Mike 2. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Kevin Nash is going to be there.
0: Oh, Super Shredder's going to be there?
1: Super Shredder himself, yes. Large and uh, I, I don't know how the filter works sometimes, if you're seeing things or not seeing things. Mm-hmm. On the geeked website, the promotional p- photo that they have of Kevin Nash up is him from the red carpet of Magic Mike pinching the butt on the poster of Channing Tatum with a cheeky I, look on his face.
0: I did see that picture.
1: <laughs> oh, that warmed my heart. I, how could you hate Kevin Nash?
0: I don't know, Joe. I don't know how you could hate large father chili kerosene. He is the man.
1: One of your your saddest deals. What? That's the real deal. Mm -hmm. You're looking at the real deal now. But the biggie this weekend, I would say, Todd, is Fan Expo in Boston. Uh, You've got a lot of uh, comic book folks being there. Mike Magnolia, Dan Slott, Gail Simone, uh, Todd McFarlane, and uh, Mark Silvestri are going to be there as well. And as we talk about media guests, Corey Feldman is going to be there. Uh, Pete Capilady is going to be there. I'm not really <laughs> sure who that is, but they say he's someone. Mm-hmm. It just says who on him. I don't know. Uh, and John Travolta is going to be there. Oh, when Listen. does John Travolta? Now this is one of those Cusack things where, like, all of a sudden, like, oh, John Cusack's is like on the convention circuit. You know what I mean? Is this the beginning of like some sort of convention run for John Travolta?
0: Maybe it is. Or maybe it's somebody who looks like John Travolta. (laughs) Ha. Looks like.
1: Yeah, looks like.
0: (laughs) But anywho. Really quick, I have an update. Oh, okay. Um, from Terrific uh, LLC, they have tweeted out, not at us, but in the last three minutes, they have tweeted that hashtag comics, hashtag books. Alan Moore is a genius exclamation point. I do not know Mr. Moore personally, except on YouTube interviews, but I respect him immensely for his craft. There is no denying it that fans love his works. We have a book of Mercury and we would love him to help us finish it terrifically. So they, they, he must have saw our tweet because this was two minutes ago. Right. I, I'm
1: keeping an eye. I'm keeping an eye. I'm just letting you know. Uh, so all the links to these conventions, of course, will be in the show notes, uh, along with the links to the Soon-to-be-named network, soon-to-be-named network.com, soon-to-be-named network.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows in our conglomeration of like-minded individuals, some would even say that the Soon-to-be-named network is the Lamborghini of podcast networks. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it be this show, uh, Longbox, Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Profane Arguments, Puzzle Warriors 3, and the latest addition to our happy family, The Final Wrestling Place, uh, where Tim and Marcus discuss a themed wrestling thing, whether it be an event, a person, a grouping of people, and uh, assign it red points and green points and decide whether to put the uh, thing in the good place, with a bad place, Uh, this upcoming weekend, they are doing the ECW 1996 event, the big-ass extreme bash, (laughs) and of course, if you're talking ECW from the 90s, they've asked me to be a guest on the show. So I'm going to be on Final Wrestling Place this week, talking about uh, ECW, and I've already started watching the event to prepare for things, and uh, we're we're in for a treat, question mark.
0: Do you remember when I called ECW fans attention deficit syndrome criminals? Yes. That's one of my favorite terms
1: for, for a certain type of wrestling fan. And Todd, being that this is 1996, the prime time of South Philly, like they're, they're doing shots of the crowd during this. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh boy, there's a lot of, uh, lot of unique uh, personalities here.
0: Are you saying the attention deficit syndrome criminals were at the height of their power? Yes. Good to know.
1: 95 and 96 is the height of their powers. <laughs> okay. There was no more heightier than them. hmm. And this is just the beginning of the show. Like, as the show goes on and it's March where it's 30 degrees outside but 130 degrees inside, oh. and you're just boiling these people in a windowless bingo hall for five <laughs> hours. Oh. Something's no. got to give, Todd. I hate the deodorant, though. No, it certainly is not. Uh, but of course, uh, links to all of these, uh, and anytime anybody else appears on any other shows, uh, you know, uh, Jason Kirk and David Cannon, formerly of Advocacy and Wrestling on the Edge of Forever, uh, they're grandfathered, in. if they decide to do something again or they show up somewhere, it always shows up on the site, so if you miss those guys, of course, they're still out there keeping it real. hmm Uh, digital sales and freebies this week. No new freebies from, uh, what we had last week. Uh, The Boys is still on sale uh, from Dynamite. And it looks like I have a window of opportunity this weekend, Todd. I'm going to attempt to watch an episode or two of that. Oh, cool. I can't wait to see what you say. Uh, Modern Marvel or Marvel Modern Spider-Man classic sale. Dynamite is still having their action-adventure heroine sale. Uh, IDW is having a recent hit sale. And DC is having a sale on Rebirth stuff. And I always like to point this out, of course. Because uh, DC is specifically citing that they're not putting the, DC, the Rebirth stuff on sale. Typically, when stuff goes digital, um, usually after about like six weeks or so, Image, Marvel, etc., other publishers usually knock a buck off, whatever the price is. Mm-hmm. DC's not doing that. And they haven't been doing that since Rebirth started. So anytime that they do a sale, I always like to point it out. And it appears as though it's like all number ones of stuff. And then it's the trades are like super, super cheap, like the normal like $13 trades are five bucks each. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you do the math on there. I won't, but I bet it's good. Right. Uh, So let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. Where would you like to begin?
0: i'm gonna start with a berserker unbound the book i was looking forward to most uh number one written by jeff lemire art by mike Diodato jr basically this character called i'm guessing his name is the mongrel king aka the berserker um who's a conan pastiche is coming back from fighting a war to his home village and as he's like he's thinking about all the stuff that he's done. He realizes that he's getting closer. There's something wrong. There's no children, the sound of children playing, no sound of like, you know, any uh, people in the, the city, he comes he ends up finding it, you know, totally destroyed and finds his wife and child uh, uh, murdered at the hands of someone. Uh, and then this group shows up who probably did the deed and they end up attacking him. He ends up, you know, laying waste to a, bunch of them but in the end gets kind of overpowered and ends up uh running because he's hurt um he calls himself a coward ends up in this cave with a bunch of glyphs he thinks he's in some sort of hell or something like that where he deserves to be um gets transported to uh modern day time gets found by a ho- looks like a homeless guy and uh, he ends up realizing that he's not in Kansas anymore. Uh, basically, that was the premise of the book that we knew was coming. So there's not much of the fish out of water stuff yet. It's basically just the backup story, which I enjoyed. Very, you know, Conan esque, uh, very beautiful art by Mike Diodato. But the one thing I will say, I was not a fan of of the coloring kind of times on it or something, because a lot of times like the battles and stuff like that looked a little muddy and I wasn't sure what's going on, which is a rarity with Mike Diodato's art. But uh, the, all that said, I'm in for the long haul because I like Jeff Lemire and Mike Diodato. And I want to see what happens now that he's in New York or whatever city he he's actually in. Cause I can't tell by the, the cityscape. It looks like it's going to be fun. So, but I enjoyed the issue.
1: Not much more to add. Exactly. We kind of knew what this story was going to be from the onset. It was solicited as time displaced Conan. It was time displaced Conan. We get a little bit of the backstory of like how he got there, as Todd mentioned. Um, we, you know, the cover of the book is him in the middle of a crowded city street, right? That's a mm-hmm. striking image. You see that. And like th- that is the definition of like an elevator pitch. Like you show that to someone and they know what your story is about. Right. Right. And it's all the gaps that you have to fill in of like the who, the what, the when, the why. And right now, all we got is a little bit of this character's motivations. And that's really it. We don't know how he gets there. We don't know why he gets there. We don't know what those next steps are, but you know, I ordered a hamburger and I got a hamburger. I'm not sure. It's not like I'm upset. You know? Right. Uh,
0: this is the salad to the steak. So there you go. we'll see. Now, if it's all sizzle, no steak, then I'll be upset.
1: And I didn't notice the issue with the coloring as much as you did. Obviously, you're more of a Mike Diodato person than I am. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this is a different colorist than he's typically worked with before. I know in the past, his color palette is a lot different. Mm -hmm. Than what we see here so i'm not sure if it's just because he's using a different palette it's making things look a little bit more muddy to you
0: that being said i do think now that we're in the modern time the coloring does look different so it's like cleaner not as it looks dirtier in the past like muddy and smoke and but now we're like in you know present day and like the cityscape and him and the, the little bit of what might be uh you know the central park it looks better to me i don't know i wonder if he was trying to go for a, a feeling in the early part of the issue but gosh gotcha. we'll see
1: so uh the other book that we both read from this past week was absolute carnage number one written by donny kate's with art by Ryan Stegman. The big event, if you will, yes. of the summer. Uh, all the Spider-Man stuff, all the Venom stuff coming to a head. Here, everything that Donny Cates has been building up in uh, the Venom book for the better part of the last year is now coming to a head. Where Carnage is back, he was brought back by this cult, and now uh, Carnage is powered by the Null, uh, the god that kind of created the symbiotes. And yes, this is a heavy issue. And when I say a heavy issue, it was a $9 book. But you're getting three full-length comic books for $9. Right, $8. $8, my fault. So even still. No, uh, I'm fine. I'm just about accuracy. Go ahead. I, I get you. But this could have been three separate four or five or even $6 issues because of an event book. I agree. So you're getting a huge story for your dollar with this. Um, I, again, I, I'm not saying there's a good decision or a bad decision, but it was. there's clear lines of delineation. Like, here's essentially the end of issue one, and here's the end of issue two, and here's the end of issue three. So carnage is going around, and anyone who has been touched by a symbiote in the Marvel Universe, which is a lot of people, have had a little tiny piece of the symbiote left in them. Carnage is going around and collecting all of them to make himself stronger and essentially to destroy the world. And we find out that the person who has the biggest piece, if you will, is from the Dan Slot finale of Amazing Spider-Man from two years ago, when Norman Osborn took that big part of the Carnage symbiote and turned himself in the Red into the Red Goblin. Now it's a race between Carnage and. Venom and Spider-Man working together to get to Norman Osborn before the other does. That's pretty much what we get in this story. Right. I liked it because I've been following this iteration of Venom and Carnage for the last year, and being a Spider-Man person, and even, I think, just through general popular culture of Venom, whether it be the Raimi movies or the cartoons or whatever it is, people know enough about venom that i think this is while a lot of book to read for a lot of money it's easily accessible they even give you like a two or three page primer up front of like here's kind of everything you know to get us to this point
0: interesting because as someone who's not a spider-man fan Mm -hmm. uh, or or, or, has not been in i've been on board for the venom stuff so okay. like all that stuff before i was i was confused by the the red goblin stuff i was really confused and uh the uh thing with the, who was in the was a jay jones son in the prison the man wolf yes okay so there was and i do feel it's a long issue i think as someone who is not a venom like knowledge it was a bit overwhelming this book this long. I was kind of like waiting for it to end because I was like, I need a break. As someone who doesn't know, I kind of look at it as probably the same way I was a Donnie Cates fan, and it enhanced it for all the cosmic stuff in Guardians of the Galaxy and Thanos. That's my wheelhouse. I I I totally get it. So this one kind of confused me, and I do ha- like have to nitpick it a little bit. Um, in that, like, they're in the diner, and it's Venom and Peter talking. And he's like, we have to go do this. We have to find the Red Goblin, blah, blah, blah. And then along the way, it's just, oh, by the way, here's my godson. Like, there was no explanation of we stopped to pick him up. Or, like, we're going to pick him up beforehand. And I get it. I can extrapolate that they, they picked him up. But then, as you're a Spider-Man fan, is Nor is, uh, Harry's son actually Peter's godson? Yes. Then why would Peter... Be, uh, does j jonah jameson's son know that he's spider-man no then why would you be making it it's like hey this little kid who's harry osborne's son who j jonah's son man wolf might know going like hey this is my godson oh so you're peter parker and i don't know venom venom knows he's like uh, venom knows right that i was just making sure unless he doesn't because of the whole one more day does he does that's he? pretty much done with okay uh, do you see how, like, what I'm saying, like, confusing stuff? Yeah, yeah. For me, like, because I don't know the... I'm overthinking Absolute Carnage, if that makes any sense. Sure. So, I enjoyed it, but not being entrenched in Spider-Man mythology, I was confused and probably would have preferred it if it was two 99 books and you kind of, or however you're going to do it, so I get a break. Like, it was all too much for me. That being said, I've been enjoying the Venom stuff, and I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep reading it. That's just my honest take on the book.
1: You may you put it into words a little bit better than I could regarding how the book was presented as a three issues collected in an $8 book. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it was three individual issues, you could read that first thing, close the book, take a break, come back and get the second issue, finish that, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, they very easily could have just done this as three issues and say, hey, it's the big event book of the summer, but we're only going to charge you $3 per issue, right? You know, And obviously printing costs and everything else like that. So I get it was you. three individual issues, but the way that you mentioned it of how when you have it all as one big giant collection, it's like, I started it, I have to finish it.
0: Mm-hmm. I would have preferred a Smaller Bites, But I understand this, and I I even get, probably doing it this way actually kind of saves me money on an $8 book for three issues or whatever. So it's not a complaint. It's just so much of, I was overwhelmed by the book. And then I have one last question. Did you end up getting any of the super cool uh, tattoos?
1: No, because they were not given to me when I got my book.
0: Uh, I was stooged off by a certain friend of the shop, if you will. Mm-hmm. that they were so i ended up getting a pack
1: there's five of them all together in one pack i'll have to make sure that i get them when i get my books uh this week
0: i would demand i would say are you are gonna bad mouth certain comic shops on a on the labrigany of podcasts
1: i'm gonna pound my fist on the desk
0: oh nothing says energy like fist pounding so mm-hmm.
1: so as you notice of course uh with todd and i talking about this it was a glaring omission of another, maybe big Marvel event book that's going on currently, and you know what it comes down to is Todd and I are not X people. You know, X Men stuff is kind of weird and scary to a lot of people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, in the interest of fairness, uh, kind of in a uh, twenty is it was it, uh, sixty minutes Andy Rooney esque op ed piece, <laughs> I'm going to momentarily turn the show over to friend of the show. James, who has done some of the artwork for some of the alternate issues, issues, episodes of uh, After Dark from last year when we were doing the, uh, the movies. And uh, James now is going to present us with the Mutant Minute.
3: the mutant minute welcome to the mutant minute as presented by me your friendly neighborhood irishman james now that we've all agreed to forget about the inhumans and never mention them again the mutants are officially back baby we're starting things off with house of x and powers of x publishing every other week for six issues each as part of a huge x-men reboot before the full line is launched The relaunch works if you only have a passing familiarity with the X-Men, as it's part of a huge seismic reshift for everything mutant. So don't worry if all you know is whatever you half-remember from the 1992 cartoon. If you've always found X-Men continually confusing with all of its time travel and clones and Summer's family trees, don't worry. Jonathan Hickman has included lots and lots of charts and pictograms and full text pages to help you along. This is a new reader-friendly reboot, after all. This is the biggest thing that happened to the X-Men since the early 2000s, and we start things off with House of X number one. Now I know what you're all thinking. James, my patty friend, the X-Men are so great, and one of the things that makes it so great is how subtle it always is as a metaphor. Worry not, true believer. House of X continues this grand tradition of subtlety, as Magneto stands in Jerusalem, looking out upon the city, declaring to a gathering of world leaders in the birthplace of most major world religions that the humans have new gods now. That's right, the era of hurtling endlessly towards extinction is finally at an end, and we've arrived at the new hotness for Homo Superior, an examination of the strengths and weaknesses of extremist separatist nationalism and god complexes as explored via the rise and fall of the mutant state of the island of Krakoa. It's easy to see why the humans are afraid of Krakoa. The island is alive. It can teleport a mutant army anywhere around the world, to and from the island at any time. It can psychically decide who is and isn't allowed entry to the island, and it may or may not have an agenda all of its own. While on Krakoa, we see Charles Xavier in his new body, which completely covers his face in a helmet, reminiscent of the Maker, giving off a vibe that's half Elon Musk as Messiah, and half the creepy old guy who organizes Midsummer. Everything seems like a new Garden of Eden for mutant kind, but everything also seems just a little bit off. Is all truly as it seems, or is there something more sinister at play? More Mr. Sinister, that is. Powers of X number 1 decides that a huge line-wide reboot of the X-Men was maybe a little bit too easy to follow, and decides to simultaneously set things across multiple different historical eras, and give us plenty of new characters to keep track of. We get to see the X-Men at year 1, year 10, year 100, and year 1000, and it makes the interesting narrative choice to tell us right from the outset, right at the beginning of what you would presume is a multi-year run on the story, exactly what ended up happening to the mutant state of Krakoa, and exactly why it failed. And don't worry... If following multiple separate historical eras for the mutant race all at once might seem confusing, and you worry about getting lost, there's lots and lots of charts and pictograms and text pieces to help you follow along. This is a new reader-friendly relaunch, after all. Last but not least, we have House of X 2. For my money, the best single issue in comic books of the year. House of X 2 decides that the multiple historical eras of Powers of X was maybe a little bit too easy to follow, and decides to radically overhaul the classic X-Men character of Moira McTaggart by revealing that she has the mutant power of reincarnation. We explore her first life where she has a happy and fulfilling family life with lots of children. Then at the moment of her death, she reawakens as Moira for the second time at the moment of her birth all over again with all of the knowledge of her past life and the discovery that she is a mutant. If you could live your whole life over again with all of your memories intact, would you make the same mistakes? If you met the love of your life all over again for a second time, could you recreate the magic? Or would you make all new mistakes? What if you spent your entire life working for civil rights, and when you died, everything had gotten worse? What if this was the Marvel Universe, and by the fourth or fifth or sixth time, you just decide, oh well, and you join the legions of Apocalypse? What if we got to explore 11 different separate lives, all in 22 pages, with life number 11 being the one that brings about the mutant nation state of the island of Krakoa? Sound a bit confusing? Worried about getting lost? Fear not. There are lots and lots of charts and pictograms and text pieces to help you follow along. This is a new reader-friendly relaunch, after all. See you next time on The Mutant Minute. Thank you very much, James,
1: and thank you very much, Una, for that funky take on the old classic X-Men animated series theme there. And now, you know, uh, perhaps James did a great job in convincing you to check out the new X-Men books. I've actually been texted and messaged by people about this. And uh, I don't know if it convinced these podcasters, but maybe it convinced you. Let us know if uh, James's magic worked on you to uh, get you to check out the new Jonathan Hickman X-Books.
0: Mm -hmm. and i look at it as uh the human does it in a minute and i guess the conversion to mutant is like four and a change
1: when it comes to minutes well it's a it's a minute superior todd oh i see what you did there that's good Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so again thank you very much james and i'm sure uh you know we'll be hearing more from james as this uh hickman run rolls on now that's What we read from this past week, let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out so you are ready to maybe uh, pick up another short box to carry all those extra books home. Now, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd has a commanding lead over me with eight correct guesses. Uh, I, I'm not conceding. I'm not a quitter. I will <laughs> fight till the very end, but uh, I don't feel very confident that the, this gap will close anytime soon. Uh, while Todd does have a lot of books this week, way more than I do, I'm going to guess that the book you are most looking forward to coming out this week would be Second Coming number two.
0: Yes, it is the book I'm looking forward to
3: most.
1: Fantastic. And, and looking over your list, even though you said
0: fantastic to try and throw me off, is the book that you're looking forward to most also Second Coming number two?
1: It is. Second Coming number two. It's a light week for me. Any other week, that Fantastic Four would probably be the book. But uh, I really enjoyed the first issue of Second Coming, and I'm looking to see what happens next. Mm hmm. So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done in the past. Also, check out our store where you can purchase shirts or stickers or pins with our fancy logo on them. If you want even more fancy logos, whether it be logos for Ad-Ods with Wrestling or the soon-to-be-named network, the Cadillac of Podcasting Networks, you could check out our TeePublic public store for some of those designs, not just on shirts, but on a variety of other things. You can also help us out by becoming a patron. You by pledging five dollars can get two day early access or thereabouts sometimes if the show runs a little bit late uh to after Dark and this week's after Dark is a banger as Todd runs deep on his trip to seeing Alice Cooper perform live yes. As well as a bunch of hot takes on straws.
0: There are a lot of hot takes on straws.
1: And as always, uh, no additional money out of your pockets, uh, shirts or stickers or pins or Patreons. You can always help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click through across the top of the page. does not charge you an extra cent more, but it does give us a couple extra cents on the back end. They call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yes, it does. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week. Someone purchased Rising Stars Compendium Hardcover. I hope that arrived in time for your meeting with J. Michael Straczynski this past weekend. (laughs) Uh, Somebody also purchased the 13th Age Role-Playing Game Core Book. Uh, I'm always surprised to see other role-playing games other than Dungeons & Dragons. I know they exist. I'm just still surprised to see them.
0: It's like uh, card games other than Magic the Gathering. Or Pokemon.
1: No, a pokey what? The Pokemon with the Pokey oh. and the Man. Okay. Pokey and the Man. Uh, somebody also purchased Glenn Campbell's Greatest Hits. Ooh. Uh, somebody also purchased... The variant Bob Ross Funko Pop that comes with a little hoot owl.
0: I don't I know what nothing. any of that means. I have nothing for that, Joe.
1: And as I understand, uh, maybe James can address this on the next Mutant Minute. I understand that in Jonathan Hickman's X-Men canon, Bob Ross is now a mutant. Oh, okay. So do have that a... what you will.
0: I hope there's some diagrams and stuff that explain that.
1: Mm-hmm. And we also have a very fancy and cultured listener of the podcast because they purchased Todd not only the complete short stories of Mark Twain, but also the complete novels of Mark Wade. Mark Wade, listen to me, Mark Twain. <laughs> Mark <laughs> Twain, but also the complete works of Mark Twain. So someone is going Mark Twain crazy. Mm, I got nothing. All right. And uh, lastly, of course, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, don't forget, <laughs> there's still time to sign up and be part of the 2019 Longbox Pick'ems, uh, Longbox uh, Pigskin Pick'ems <laughs> through the ESPN site that's very easy to navigate. <laughs> oh no, wait, I'm lying. It's difficult. Uh, we, we hopefully point you in the right direction to do so already. We have uh, quite a few people signed up already. Mm-hmm. And they were almost at uh, nine people signed up this year. Uh, hopefully, we get many, many more. Even if you're not a football fan, it's still uh, you know fun to play along. I hate it, football, and I play.
0: I was going to say because your mouth won't even say what it needs to do with, to promote the thing. It's like
1: blah blah long box pig. Dad, heck with it. When I was looking at the site, the little box there, it kind of mm. all ran together. I'm I just gotcha. long box. Pick?
0: Uh, yeah, you know. Oh, we did it. I pushed it. We're good.
1: <laughs> the, 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 if you go to longboxheroes.com, it's the first post. It's pinned there, and it will be pinned there the entire football season. Mm-hmm. I love pinned posts. Mm-hmm. So. And uh, I know you had mentioned it earlier with your trip to Terrificon, but Todd, do we have any art attacks this week? We have three art attacks this week, Joe. And they are
0: all by the same artist, the great Barry Kitson. I started out with a quick Barry Kitson Batman head sketch in my, my book. I love the bright blue background compared to his dark cowl. Um, He did like, he had these quick uh, sketches that were cheap, that they were smaller. So in my sketchbook, you see how he ended up doing the blue there. That's uh, the page is much bigger than the way he does the, uh, the the small sketches he has little pieces of artboard there pre-cut and he ended up putting the artboard on my sketchbook and then putting a, a pencil mark around it so it was fair to everybody cuz some people would be like hey well maybe if i get the the quick cheap painted head sketch and i bring a huge sketchbook he'll do it bigger he's like nope you're not going to get me here it is and i'm like i'm fine with that i just rather have it in my sketchbook because i have only so many pages left then he was doing them from a certain time for one hour it was like from three to four whatever so me and josh got in line to get them and he for he did the first one in 10 minutes the second one in like 10 minutes 15 minutes then he did mine, and it was getting close where they had he had time for one more and i was like hmm what do i do i'm like excuse me mr kitson if nobody comes could I buy a second one that I want to give to somebody that I know who'd really like it? And he's like, you know what? As long as nobody comes before the hour's up, I'll start doing, I'll do one for you. So I ended up getting, uh uh asriel because he did the after the sword of asriel run by quesada he ended up doing like the first i don't know 20 issues maybe of asriel and i was like you know who'd really like that i think adam would and so he basically said hey look what roker the joker got me a Barry and asriel sketch which it's it's a beautiful painted sketch i love the little uh cape medallion that he has on his neck he kind of like really went to town on the detail on that. So I liked it. And also Josh, cause he was in line with me before me. He's like, Hmm, looks like Todd's art Attack has some gorgeous, gorgeous sketches from Barry Kitson done at it. terrific con. Can I join in? Look at this invisible woman in my sketchbook. That's well, fantastic. And once again, there's nothing Barry Kitson can do, can do wrong. So it looked really beautiful. And a quick confession. I didn't know who I wanted, whether I wanted Batman Green Lantern or Flash because I have various versions of in my in my sketchbook. I gave Barry the dealer's choice and he ended up choosing Batman for my sketchbook.
2: Uh,
1: of the three, I like your Batman the best, and really? I think it's for the I think it's for the very reason that you mentioned because the blue background really makes it pop. Mm-hmm. And hmm oh, go, go ahead. Sorry, go you first. I was going to say as you mentioned, it, while it is. It would be very, calling a very specific spot. Remember from Justice League or JLA Year One by Mark White and Barry Kitson? Right. The part where... He grabs, uh, she grabs the wings? Exactly, where Black Canary grabs the side wings on Flash's costume and just kind of twists his mask. Mm-hmm. I would have asked for a variation of
0: that that's one of my favorite scenes in the book because he's like hey you black canary fighting crime in high heels and she's like she just walks over and grabs the things and spins it and he can't see and she just walks out i will all that is a super classic moment in the history of comics so as soon as you said it, i'm like i have to i have to stop him and say i know exactly what he's talking about um and a side note are you ready uh Barry Kitchen may have invited me and Josh out to dinner if we're at, at Philadelphia Cod next. Ooh. In a week or two. He was very gracious and very nice. Josh, I have something uh, from him before, and Josh has a ton of stuff from him before, and he's the one who ended up like, you know, introducing to me. So he's like, you know what? If you're at Terif- uh, Terrificon, I keep saying Con. If you're at Keystone Comic Con next week, he's like, maybe the two of you would like to come out for dinner if we go out. And we were like, we might try to make that. We might try. So, uh, Joe, if you could uh, just bend over and pick up that name I just dropped, that'd be great.
1: Uh, I'm very (laughs) jealous of you guys getting a chance to go out with uh, Barry Kitson. That's really cool. Yep. The offer is on the table, so uh, hopefully you guys do not pass that one by. Or, you
0: know, he remembers. You never know. We might get there and be like, who are you guys?
1: Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the end of the show, except for TV talk, right? I think that's everything. All right, everybody. So thank you very much for listening to uh, episode 463 of Longbox Heroes. We're going to take like a brief second here before we get into uh, TV talk, just in case you're not up to date on Krypton or you didn't see the most recent episode or what have you. All right. So we're nearing the home stretch here, eh? Mm-hmm. What do we got? One more one more episode left? Yes,
0: I believe this is the penultimate-ish episode.
1: Yeah. So, uh, this, uh, episode is all the goodies kind of getting together, and, uh, Doomsday killing everybody.
0: Oh. Doomsday on... Does Zod doesn't just, like, you know, send Doomsday. He literally unleashes Doomsday from behind a desk while he's drinking, drinking some Kryptonian scotch. That's... That's baller right there, Joe.
1: <laughs> and I will say the moment in the show where uh, uh, Zod's a lackey person is like, we don't know if there's enough uh, Black Mercy Venom in there. We don't know. We're taking a chance, and Zod's like, well, we got to take that chance now. And uh, Doomsday takes those few first steps, and Zod says, "Kneel before Zod," and Doomsday does. I got scared for our heroes, Todd. I
0: was like, things don't look well for our trusty heroes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) To say the least. Uh, But yeah, this was the build-up to the unbridled carnage. I am a little surprised Mm -hmm. that this was not the episode where we maybe saw the return of Lobo. Mm -hmm. But, you know, maybe you save that for the uh, backdoor pilot of episode 10 that leads into... Lobo's Ladies, the spin-off show. <laughs> Boy.
0: But, yeah, I, I, I'm wondering, because we'll get to, like, how it ends, but I do think we'll see Lobo again maybe, or maybe we'll see them throw down. But, uh, yeah, like, basically, uh, SAG ends up going with uh, Nyssa to the moon through using a skimmer from smugglers that have been, uh, you know, they they cha- they modified it to go into space. So they end up going – and the whole thing of, like, uh, Lida, who's back from the dead, totally throwing off Nissa and Seg's, uh, you know, mojo that they had going because they thought she was dead. And they just have all those looks from Nissa that you think she's going to be the bad guy? Like, she's going to betray? Something's going to go sideways? I 100% think it's – is it uh, – Who's the black guy who was dating Lida and Seg kind of broke it up and he's he was one of the Sagittari? I think he's the guy we have to watch out for. Because he's,
1: uh, he's gonna betray us all.
0: Yes. Everybody's they're totally setting up Nissa to betray us, but it's not her. Um, and that's all all I could think. And then Lida ends up. What I do like in this episode is Lida ends up catching a couple of Sagittari. And you know the, her mother and and that guy are like, oh, well, we should wipe out. She's like, no, no, let me talk to him. And they're like, how are you alive? And she ends up explaining that Zod, you know, did this, did that, cloned and 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 sent somebody, betrayed us all, Krypton. And she's doing kind of what Kem did on the moon, where she's like bringing the Sagittarian in the fold by by being lenient and explaining things. And I like that. So I think she's going to like you know try to do a do a, a coup with the Sagittarius, and I think it's going to work, so that's really cool. But on the planet, on the moon, we have all that, but when when they figure out that they haven't sent an army, and it's doomsday, and he comes running, and there's that cocky sergeant who's like, stand your ground, he ends up shooting, he's like, nothing can come out of that. And you're like, we know, Joe it's doomsday (laughs) it's like and the smoke clears and he's just kneeling and he gets up and he starts that second run and you're like i got goosebumps right now i'm like goodbye all of you good goodbye every single one of you on the battlefield and he comes and he tears through them like tissue paper and it reminds me of i tweeted it out earlier today the Superman uh, Day of Doom comic, which was basically, it was, I forget how many years after this, the death of Superman, it came out. And it was like, hey, this reporter's doing a, a story about the anniversary. And he goes, and he ends up talking to Booster and Beetle, and he talks to other people, but he talks to some of the people that were on the ground. And if you read the two page, uh, pages that i tweeted where he's like you're talking to this cop who was there and he's like he landed like a bomb he came in he started shaking buses and gutting people and he ended up as he was walking he liked to step on the victims their head preferably uh just he was he was a monster he was on the ground and i'll never forget this line he was on the ground less than um 30 seconds and the death toll was over 300 and i was like that they when he co- rips through the through uh Val's army th- i'm like they read that that's that's doomsday to me so i was like i got all these goosebumps and then kem sacrificing himself oh my to, goodness. to save the day I, it was dusty onions joe when they go and segs like i got to go back and kem pushes him out of the way and he ends up doing the, the 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 force field, and he's like, "I'm gonna do it." And he goes, and there's that tense moment where it's like his view, and then the camera on his face, and he's doing the whole like check your corners with the rifle, like if you're in the military. And he gets there, and he finds the detonator because they're gonna bury Doomsday under all the, the 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 mining, and he turns around, and Doomsday standing right there, and he just punch he punches through him, and Kem's ends up like. He's just looking at him, and he's laugh- like, kind not laughing, but he's like, I got you. And he ends up dropping the detonator. And as he does, Doomsday just crushes his head. And I'm like, there, there's no coming back from that. There's no no return to Kem. But Kem, up until now, we're only nine episodes in the same. He has the best story arc by far, anybody in this show. I, yes. I was sad to see Kem go. It
1: was certainly a bummer. Um we knew obviously when there was the moment between him and Seg of who's going to sacrifice themselves. We knew it's not going to be Seg; he's the lead of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't. I, I knew Kem was sending himself off to die. I did not know that we would see Doomsday essentially pop his head like a grape. That,
0: uh, that actually t- uh, took me aback.
1: Yep, I really did. I was
0: like, Ooh. I think they, they do really- this whole
1: like slow motion, like I, so. The fight scenes in this were beautifully shot, right? Mm-hmm. For a SIFI show that I can't imagine the budget is, like, rivaling that of your Avengers-type movies or even your DC-type movies. But I think for what what they had, the budget that they were presented with, they filmed very action-packed, very cool-looking battle scenes, right? And we get that scene at the end where Kem goes up and Doomsday has him and kind of things are kind of playing out a little bit in slow motion – And as Todd mentioned, Kem has this smile on his face, like he kind of reveals like it's all for, you know, my sacrifice will be worth it. And as this whole thing is playing in slow motion and the the most I don't want to say disturbing thing about it, but the most memorable thing about it is that they're playing music and it's not in time with the music. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll see a fight scene or a battle scene and there's music playing, and the music is kind of like the theme of the battle. It's like this: the music is, you know, crescendoing at certain parts, at high parts, and kind of lowering at other parts, and like this music is just playing, and then at a random intermittent part of the music that's playing, his head just gets popped.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that was the thing, like, that, a lesser uh, filmmaker, movie maker, TV maker, whatever, would have done like a music sting on that. Right. And by them not doing that, made that scene that much more powerful.
0: I I totally agree. And even Nyssa fighting the army to get back to the ship that brought you Doomsday to yes. save her, just laying down like the, the, the whoop ass, just, I was like, like it ended up making me like, even though like she's been back and forth, like she's been manipulated and you're not quite sure, like her doing all that, I was just like, I'm on board for Nissan now. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I, I, I really like the show. And then in the end, in the end, the whole, they time the, not time they miscalculated with the bombs, and they ended up blowing up the, the entire moon. You're like, that can't, like, that really can't go well for Krypton, can it? You know, like, so I'm like, this was a big episode. And I know you really haven't watched any more Game of Thrones, have you, Joe?
1: Of course not.
0: Okay, because I'm going to throw out the thing they're following the game of thrones formula when it comes to a season, this is 10 episodes, just like game of thrones was 10 episodes a season for the most part, where the, this is the big battle or the big moment. Every season of game of thrones, just about episode nine was where you knew it was all going to hit the fan. And that happened here. And I was kind of like, I didn't want to say anything. Cause I'm like, I'm wondering, they've been following a lot of the game of thrones, like, like, uh, 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 template. And this is, this is it. An army gets wiped out. Somebody gets, a fan favorite gets killed. Uh, the, you know, the, the major turn, like the, the, the moon being destroyed. Where's doomsday now? Because with the moon, you know, exploding, does he fall the, does he fall the Krypton? Cause we know he's not dead. You know, he, just, he just becomes invulnerable to having moons blowing up. now. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that can't kill him anymore. So I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I was blown away by this episode and I, I'm looking forward to
1: more. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see how they're going to wrap everything up.
0: Right. Even though they probably won't, because I bet you it got signed for a third season.
1: Well, you probably... know, um, we're going uh, to have our deal with uh, Lobo.
0: Right. But what I mean is I do think, like, in the next day or so, we're going to get the announcement that it's been picked up for a third season.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. I follow also, you. mean Right. And uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I know that these are streaming out there. I think they go up on Sci-Fi's website, maybe like the day afterwards. And uh, I don't know if they're on any other streaming service, I, but uh, definitely check out Krypton. If you were sleeping on it, it's really an under-the-radar show. And, uh, you know, I know here in this podcast, we've kind of scoffed and thumbed our nose at shows like Gotham. But I think Gotham goes too far off the rails with the Batman mythos, where I th- where... Krypton does kind of maybe put like a different vehicle on the rails.
0: Here's my problem with the difference between Krypton and Gotham is Gotham messes with too many well-established known characters,
1: right? I think we'd mentioned this, but yes, go ahead.
0: Where Krypton is like, Hey, it's Superman's grandfather and great grandfather or great, great grandfather. Like, yeah, I'm just well versed in their history. So do what you want, you know? So, yeah, sorry, we brought it up before.
1: And are we on our maybe, like, third or fourth iteration on the bigger little screen of, like, what Zod is?
0: Yeah, I would say so. But, I mean, he really, like, other, since the the Superman 2 movie, he really had, like, the mold really hasn't changed much, though. Right. You know, like, Zod, Zod. And and since that second movie, the Neil thing is going to be his go-to move,
1: so... Right, I'm right. fine with it. It works. Right. No, and what I'm saying is I would say of anyone established, like, he's the one that I wouldn't say that they've messed with the most, mm-hmm. but maybe would be the most unrecognizable of a named character.
0: Right. But I still think he's just, Do you are you saying he's different than the Zods we've experienced before? No, no, no. What okay, I'm saying sorry.
1: is if you show me a cast photo of the people on the TV show Krypton. Mm-hmm. By process of elimination, I would, show, I would figure out who is Zod.
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: But if you just showed me this character out of nowhere and say, what, super, what DC supervillain does he play? Mm-hmm. Zod would maybe be the fifth or sixth guess.
0: And I have to ask, and I don't want to go down this route, mm-hmm. is it because he's black?
1: Again, because traditionally in the Superman comic books, TV shows, movies and okay. so forth they have not had people of color or people of any sort of different ethnicity instead of white I get be you. any kryptonian type people I'm, I'm fine with that but i just didn't know if also
0: if it was that or or just his visage wouldn't scream zod be otherwise you know what i mean it's like was still if he was still a black guy but he was you know 4 foot 8 and like stick i'd be like you're not zod you, you know say,
1: I mean? right you say dc villain I'm going to, you know, I, I, I would have guessed Lex Luthor. Like, why not have a black guy play Lex Luthor? You know what I, I mean? mean?
0: Or you would have went straight to, the, to, the, to the, the one everybody would go, Black Manta.
1: Right. But if you say Superman villain, I'm not going to say, oh, that's the Toy Man.
0: Mm-hmm. But he is definitely crushing it as Zod.
1: Yes. He is by far the best actor on the show. He is fantastic. Well, mm-hmm. and then I would say second best was the guy who played, uh, what's his face, who got killed this week.
0: Right. I would say um, also because I've seen him in other stuff and he's playing the lovably uh, old grandfather is the guy who plays Val, the the grandfather of Seg is like and everything else I've seen is a real an actual like really good actor. But I think the part isn't juicy enough because he's he is the moral compass of the show. Yes. And he he had to break that compass in blowing up the uh, space elevator. So (laughs) like so you don't see. He's not there yet. I think he can go down a road that could be really cool, if that makes any sense. But because he's the, the wishy-washy guy who's like, we could make everything work. And you're like, sorry, Val, that ain't going to happen. You know, so I want to, that's why I'm saying I just think the part isn't meaty enough. But if he get, like, if we can get his story along, he, you're, you're going to see your your uh, opinion change on him.
1: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been really good. Uh, I like Krypton. Check it out. I'm excited for the season finale. Me too. All right, everybody. I think that's enough show at this point. I don't think we could physically do any more show, so closing out for real, episode 463 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week.
0: Remember, be a faucet, not a drain.
1: Boop!